Um, Ron is asking, am I meeting you too? Oh, so. yeah, should we call him up? Yeah. Let me call him okay. right now. Hey, how's it going? Well, you tell me how it's going. Oh, it's going well. We going uh, really well. Mr. Soda is—he's uh, an outstanding man. He's I think uh, my my opinion of him has changed. I think I think he had no bad intentions, and he was so willing to talk to us. We were there. What time is it? It's uh, we were there for almost three hours just now. <laughs> And he was oh just talking. Gosh. It was just him talking the whole time. He was so willing and had so much, he had so much recall. He had so much recall and just was so willing to just give it up and just straight shoot about it. And, and it, he sounded just like you at times, Ron. The things he was saying sounded just like you. He told us, be very, very careful of Frank Santiago. And he said the first thing the first thing he said for like the first 30 minutes was just telling us about how bad the Des Moines register was as far as this stuff went. Wow. Yeah. Yep. He said, you don't, you know, he said, you don't want to hear it. It's about the Des Moines register and how bad the register is. Yeah. And I, a, a few times I was like, well, I think I would like to hear it actually. <laughs> yeah. you could, would you like to, to, to talk about it? What did he say about that article about Frank Sequoia in the paper that was out about his being him and his brother and then being hired or continued to stay out of the register? Did you show him that? Uh, no, we talked about it at length. And okay, okay. He had, uh, he had gone out and uh, talked to Frank Sequoia. And, I mean, he was very passionate at the time of just getting these, he's like, just getting these scum off the street. He's like... I, wow. I came across information on this guy and he said, I I did not call the Des Moines Register. He's like, I called Mary Bach with KCCI because the Des Moines Register was in bed with the pedophiles more or less. Wow. And so he said, I couldn't, I couldn't bring anyone else besides someone with KCCI because you, the Des Moines Register was going to kill the story. Or he said... And then once they found out about this Frank Sakura thing, he said the register came after him and just printed all this bad publicity about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. What did he say about Noreen lately? Does he keep up on anything? Does he feel pretty put upon? I, on by her? I thought it, the things he had to tell us about Noreen, some of them blew me away. Yeah. So. Um, but he but has the great thing about him, that though <laughs> is that he was like, you know, anything Noreen ever said about me, I forgive her. I don't blame her for any of it because nobody would listen to her at the time, and that was her son. And I, I get how it gets to you after all these years. And yeah, he was just like he was not an angry person at all. He was just like. We were sitting on his back porch. We were just hanging out on the, like the table on his back porch. We were just sitting and he was just like talking like he was talking to just like, you know, like he was talking to his neighbors or somebody like, oh, just wow. kind of like, yeah. Okay, how does he look? I'm just curious how he looks now. Still, 
Well, I mean, he, you can tell that he's probably not in great health now. He's uh, yeah. It took him a while to answer the door. We thought maybe he wasn't. We were, got, we were like a second away from leaving because we thought maybe he wasn't there. But eventually he did come open the door. And so he moves kind of slow. And um, you can just tell he had like he had like pajama pants on and um, you can just tell that he doesn't do a lot anymore. And that, but I guess that sort of speaks to just he's kind of talk about meeting me and John. We didn't really we steered clear of that because I didn't really want to I didn't really want to I knew there were some moments when maybe you guys didn't see eye to eye and I didn't really want to. Uh, muddy the waters or, or get him sure, in a sure, get him sure. sideways oh, at all so i i think uh but he did have you know he was like oh john he's like what a what an outstanding human being yeah he's like if you get the opportunity to meet with him what outstanding man you know yeah and just talking and about, about who about john john yeah, he, was, about he had john. he had nothing but nice things to say about john so and just just saying how how terrible it was when Noreen accused him of it and and things like that and the really interesting thing was he was telling us that uh, you know on the anniversary of Jaime disappearing or something there would be something that would come up in like a gas station a long ways away or something like that and the when he decided he was done uh, helping uh, Noreen was when she admitted to him that it was her doing those things. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, she's a stinker. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. Um, did she, okay, so did she know anything? Did Wilbur Melhouse mean anything to it? No, he didn't. He wasn't aware of the name Wilbur Melhouse. The only name that he knew directly from the register was was Frank Sikora, and he he spoke at length about Frank Sikora. He taught, he re- remembered every detail of going to Frank Sikora's house in the middle of the night, and it just it just seems like he thinks that it was just a lot of bad actors, basically just working at the Des Moines Register, you know, and he, and he kept saying that, like, the Register was complicit in all of it for all that time, and they did nothing to protect the kids. So, I mean, if he was to say, I have to put out a uh, theory, and this is what it is, does he think Sequoia was a big part of it? He thinks it was an opportunity crime, um, and so he thinks it was either someone within the register or someone just uh, that had the opportunity and acted on their their impulse like the Molly Tibbetts thing or this uh, girl up at Iowa State he thinks it was just yeah, a yeah. he thinks it was yeah. a, I asked yeah. him directly you think it's a crime of opportunity and he said yes and I think he just oh. thinks because he because he, he did keep talking about how you know the paper boys were all out uh, you know it, they always walked the same route every morning and it just you know they were just they were just there if somebody had bad intentions they were just there you could just roll right up yeah. and grab them how many years after john and i saw it did he stay a private investigator did he ever say 
12 years total or something? Oh, no, he was a private investigator for 12 years, I think, is what he said. But as far as how long was he on this case for? Yeah. I'm not sure. Well, well, and and did he ever, did he say that he was also Polk County deputy for a while? No, I didn't. I I don't think we just. I think he he was. Oh, okay, okay. Well, we, I don't think at any point we discussed that, but. But no, I come. Uh, I came across. I I came away from that thinking, Sam Soda is a really good dude. Yeah, I felt that <laughs> way too. I felt like I walked out of his. I walked out of his driveway, thinking to myself, "Wow, this is another person that I've had wrong this entire time." Um, I was like, "I've ne- I, you know, I, 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 I'm." Sorry, I just I can't talk. I can't talk right now. Oh my god. Well, I thought it was interesting to hear how he started scared. He had Yeah. He yeah. was doing a lot of work for Ruan, uh, private investigative work for like recovering vehicles and stuff like that that had gone missing. Sure, sure. And the the head of Ruan at the time reached out to him and asked them what they could what Ruan could do to assist and he had another company he was working for that did the same thing and he, they so that's how they they all joined forces and uh started that scared wow huh because i know that rubbed marine wrong you know and that's why she painted him as such a bad she thought he was competition for her audience it was the complete opposite. So when he got out of the Marines, he had been uh, stationed as a recruiter in Buffalo. And then uh, he said he had a friend that he was a recruiter with here in Des Moines that mm-hmm. ended up being, a, was it LAPD? Yeah, I think LAPD is what he said. And he okay. said, and his friend and him would stay in regular contact. And his friend told him about all, all the pedophilia going on out there and how it was such a big um, crime out there. and. And Sam said the exact same thing you did. He said when he went at the beginning of this uh, investigation to the Des Moines Police Department and brought up the word pedophile, they all looked at him like he was an idiot. Like, what's that word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the register and the police department didn't even know the meaning of the word. So. Wow. you You would have loved talking to this guy. Yeah. Google about me is bullshit. That was basically his attitude, and he did not seem... 
he did not seem bitter about it whatsoever. He was just kind of past that point. Wow, wow. And so he's not had any contact with her since back in the day? Correct, yeah. Wow. It's really, Man, it's well, really a shame. Job. It's really a shame that this truth didn't get out about Sam a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, because I believed all the stuff I read about him. I mean, you know, I mean, Mark will tell you I was terrified as we were driving there, and I, I walked away feeling. I felt better, but I also just felt guilty. I was like, oh my god, I had him wrong this whole time. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I my only opinion was uh, what the register also painted as far as when he was running for uh, city council and he claimed that he was a Vietnam vet and had a Purple Heart. Oh, right, I forgot about that. Star and stuff. Uh, I, I just thought at the time, you know, a lot of guys are blown. There's still guys like that today. And he yeah. happened to be one of them. Yeah, right. a lot of people bullshit about that kind of stuff. So I guess yeah. that's yeah. that doesn't yeah. really yeah. In, in, imply anything, I guess. About a person. Yeah. What did, did was he curious about what you were pursuing? Either one of you. We said that we were writing a book. That's what we said. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Just told me we were writing a book, and that we had uh, that we had you know his name had came up in re- reference to Frank Sakura, and you know the the work he had done to break that, and we wanted to sort of talk to him about that and and then all of a sudden like maybe just a few sentences into the conversation he goes you don't want to know about what really was going on and we go well what's we're like, that well, we're like yeah we do actually Why he you? goes it's the he's he goes it's at the moines register and i think we were just like i i we were just like yep Yep, and we were just like, okay can can we talk about that or? and i think we said we you know we are we have the exact same theory. And yeah. then I think that yeah. opened the door to let's all get around and talk about the Des Moines Yeah, Register. it was right, right right, after that happened was when he sort of invited us around back to sit on the back porch. And he just kind of went off. Just, he, just, he just talked. He just talked just candidly for almost three hours yeah. just now. And what did he say? Tell me again what he said about Frank Santiago. Be careful of him. Yeah, be careful of him that basically he's just a... Like, a, like you said, Mark, he's like, like he's a chameleon, Frank Santiago. Yeah. Like, he's a, kind of a two-faced yeah. sort of a guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow, wow. Long day. Tough day, right? Man, I guess. <laughs> it's nice to meet you, Sarah. Oh, nice to meet you, too. Believe that article about that Sikora's older brother. No, I never. So I said we conclusively know that there were pedophiles working within the Moines Register from at least 1974 to 1986. Yeah, or multiples. You know, multiple guys. Yeah, that was incredible to find that. Yeah, I had no idea. I had never seen that before. He showed it to me when I walked in here today. <laughs> He's pretty good at this, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, today was a mic drop sort of a day. <laughs> yeah, did you get a picture of Sam? I didn't, no, but 
yeah, you can tell that he's older now and not in the not in great health and uh, it just seems like he's kind of at that age where he's like he just doesn't care what other people think sure. anymore. He's like sure. just it's like, Did like he say, how old is he now? Seven seventy six, I think. Yeah, John was right. He thought he was about his age, and John's ten years older than me. Mm -hmm. I'm sixty six. Uh -huh. um, did he have much to say on the record or off the record about Noreen? Yeah, he talked about her a little bit. Um, basically, whenever he basically discredits every claim that Noreen makes and you know you're saying that um he you know, never thought it was part of a big network never or a, never or a, he always thought it a was local just crime of opportunity local crime of opportunity somebody was just had bad intent and knew that these little boys were just out at this time of the morning and somebody just it, he doesn't even think it, that Johnny was targeted. He just thinks that they weren't targeting one boy. They were targeting any boy that yeah, they could yeah. that they could roll up on. Yeah. So because he and Eugene really couldn't be much more opposite. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we talked about yeah, that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, because Eugene's family was strictly blue collar. Uh, I mean, he was just a little kid of the streets. Mm -hmm. Johnny was a sophisticated kid from the suburbs. Yeah. Um, yeah. They probably both just happened to be at the paper drop by themselves at that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were just talking a second ago. It's like, <clears throat> in a way, it's hard to it's hard to hear that because that makes this case so much that much more impossible to solve. Yeah. You know, yeah. because you know it it's it's nice to think that you can find a name somewhere and follow a lead, but as we were talking in the car just now too, it's like. You know, I had believed so many things about Sam Soda, but it's like you can't know until you talk to somebody. Now, when you said you got your preconceived ideas about Sam, are you getting those from Noreen's old articles? And well, I, I and mean, stuff? I, I think basically, yeah, now that I look back on it, because a lot of it was done, everything I've learned, I've learned through online research. Yeah. So, yeah. and he even said, like, I Googled myself and... Uh, I was like, I read some of the links about me, and first I was pissed off, but after a while it's like, it's all bullshit. Nothing, there's nothing you can do about it. See you have so. any more contact with anybody in the Des Moines PD or any place anymore? Not really. He's not in good health. Yeah. He's had a bunch of heart attacks. Yeah, he said he had a few heart attacks. Bad His wife ones. still works for the, the treasurer's office down here. No kidding. Does he still have that big uh, RV out next to his house? Mm-hmm. I didn't see him. No. Real good guy, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was a good guy. I'm so, like... And it was... He had three boys. And he had three sons. And he yeah. was saying, even saying that, like, he had a lot of the same worries that other parents did, too, yeah, because he right. had... He, he even said, he's like, I have two twin boys... I had two twin boys and one younger. And... He said when he went um, to the police and, and talked to him about the word pedophile, they... He didn't know what he was talking about. The concept of pedophilia... It's exactly what you always he said, told me. The concept too. of pedophilia was completely and totally foreign to them. Yeah. yeah. And uh, said they were clueless and, you know, inept. He, he said that, 
Marine did throw a cup of coffee on the FBI agent, and that the FBI agent deserved it. Yeah, he said that was one of the first stories he kind of talked about when Noreen uh, grabbed a hot cup of coffee and threw it dead at one of the one of the FBI people, and then what was he, the cause of that? What, what well, you, that that just that they were not listening to her and not cooperating, and he said right after he told us about that, he said, "But you know what? I don't blame her." Yeah, like you know, he was like, he was like, I get it. Yeah. Wow, was he? How shocked was he that somebody was at his door to talk about this? He didn't seem shocked at all. He yeah. was like, he was just like, he didn't care. He was like, oh, you want to talk? Okay. Well, he was like, first he was like, well, you're not gonna like my answer, and we were like, well, what is that? And yeah. it's like, well, and then he goes, um, well, it was the Des Moines Register, and we were like, uh. <laughs> Well, actually, that's kind of what we think too. And then that was when we were at the at the front door. It was after that once we said that, like, yeah, that's what we think too. That's when he invited us to come around back. It was like, okay, go through the gate and let me put the dogs in another room. I'll meet you out there. So. God, what a great investigative story would this make for some news station I'm about the by there about the Des Moines Register yeah, yeah. to say, here's what we have. This is. These guys, here are all the articles. These are the pedophiles they employed from this time to this time. Run with it. Mm -hmm. And what? And, and maybe have someone from the registry answer, what the hell did you do after Giant Gosh's disappearance to make these boys safer? That would be, and how timely is that right now with all of these crimes of opportunity? Yeah. You know, the Tibbetts yep. girl. I mean, and that's sort of what Sam was talking about back in the time. Everyone wanted to um, play it off as being some national conspiracy or something and just wanted to, we're just blind to the fact that this happens in Iowa in our right. backyard all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, if you want to get, if you want to go down a rabbit hole, um, get on that newspapers.com and just type in, uh, go to the different areas where these people lived mm -hmm. and just type in names and hit search for the, the time periods of this. And that's how that Sakura thing came up. And just typed in Sakura for the Iowa area for those time periods and boom, that comes up. And I start doing it for, if you go in the ads, every ad that has a mill house, it, a lot of times they have like a co, like, um, carrying manager mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so then I started getting those names and writing those names down and then okay track those people down were any of those people convicted for pedophilia I mean we were driving over to Sam's today I was terrified I didn't know if we were gonna leave there like that's how afraid I was like and um, I had that's what I always thought like from the moment I first planned to go over to Sam Soda's house and the complete opposite happened he was is so, he familiar at all with the um, Netflix movie or oh, we the didn't books ask, or any we, of that well, stuff? Well, he definitely does not believe one word of Noreen's book. He he called it he called it bullshit. Um, we didn't talk about the Netflix documentary, so mm -hmm. I don't know. It's interesting that that book was written and that Netflix uh, documentary was done, and Sam Soda is. Never yeah, that, I was just thinking that. Like, you I know? wondered if did anybody approach. Well, you know what? I bet happened. Um, I bet that they 
I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I think the maker of the documentary probably did approach him, yep. and he's probably said the exact same thing. You're not going to like my answer. It was the Des Moines yep. Register. He was interviewed for three hours by a film crew, he said, and he thought it was for 2020 or something, but it was probably the documentary. Uh-huh. And he said they... And it, he said that footage has never seen the day of light. Yeah, yeah. He was, that's what he said. He said that, um, you know, some crew came over here and interviewed me for three hours. They he said when that was? What did he say? I can't remember. Um, he didn't I don't In think he said. the last three or four years? I don't think he said what, what time frame it was, but he was just said, yeah, we talked for three hours and they didn't use a a, a second. Of so lucky we got this today because he can die any day. He doesn't look good. He could, uh, could you die know. any day, and this one had been preserved. He said he got. He said that scared thing. He said, "Yeah, this guy from Ruan reached out to him and asked what they could do, and then one of his other customers reached out and said, hey, what can we do to help?' And so then these people and their corporations would get volunteers to help out with the scare deal. And yeah. he said that he said he had four pictures of." Uh, that his friend with the Minneapolis Police Department had gotten him for the presentations for child pornography examples. And he said one day he got called, he got a call from the Polk County attorney that he needed to come down there. And so he came down there and they laid out those pictures and said, They're like, you know that's illegal, right? You know to that's show illegal. That. Like, he's like, he was like, yeah. Yeah, I know it's illegal. He's like, but. But he wanted to shock like, people. That's what like, he said. He's like, I want to shock people here. Because people aren't taking this seriously here. Yeah, and the other thing he said too, like, you know, in my previous episodes about Sam Soda, I talked about, like, him having access to child pornography. And, like, the, the crazy thing is, I said in those earlier episodes that it was like, well, how would you get child pornography unless you knew somebody who was making it or something? But he said, I bought it at the bookstore. Yeah. What he, he said there was somebody that told him something, and so he said no, and he went to the bookstore and bought it. Bought yeah, a book but he it. just... I'll guarantee you it was that one that used to be across the street from Vets Auditorium on 5th. Mm-hmm. That's where John and I where, went. Yeah. yeah. Where John and I went that yeah. night. Wow. Yeah. Someone was trying to tell him that, you know, you can't get these images or something like that, and so then to prove him wrong, he so went yeah, to the So, yeah, he went right over and proved him wrong and just bought bought them. Just yeah. bought them, legally. Yeah. 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 Well, legally. Bought them, but illegally, legally. But, but legally yeah. purchased them. <laughs> right. 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 But then said the county attorney came to understanding that he could keep using them. And How long did he keep that going? Scared him, I think, I, I believe was only a few years, like okay. two two or yeah. three years. Yeah. You yeah. say he got exhausted from it. You couldn't take it anymore. Because, like, he was saying to us that he had had two heart attacks, two major heart yeah. attacks, and you even made the comment, well, I mean, that type of stuff will do that to you. He said it was just such a dark subject matter that it just became... Yeah. No, he, he firmly believes it was a crime of opportunity, and I think there's probably some validity to it. But I don't think that eliminates um, the possibility that it is Des Moines Register employees. Yeah, I mean, because really, because the fact is, anybody could have bad intent. Um, okay, the gosh thing pushed off to the side. There's still a crime. There's still a crime going on. If the Des Moines Register knowingly kept guys on the payroll that were complicit, yeah, like and that's, what, and that's yeah. what he said. If I was doing yeah. gosh, I would have sued the shit out of the Des Moines yeah. Register. Yeah, 
not only because they did it up to that point, but because afterwards they didn't change anything. Those guys continued to have employment records after the fact, and they knowingly had guys with those desires working with kids. Right. I mean, think of that. Think how much they preach to all of us these days about morality, and, and they don't. I mean, they... Their favorite subject here at the Duane Register is how to make beer and wine and whiskey. It's interesting whether or not you could still sue them, though. Yeah. Um, because, you know, children have until they're 18 to sue, but what if they've just never been discovered? Never got to that. Yeah. yeah. Right. And what if they're just, what if we don't know if they're dead or alive? Okay, besides this Socorro one, do we have an article or uh, something about Millhouse and his... Um, Wilbur? Yeah. Well, I can pull up anything. I can do searches right here. Well, see what we find. I thought you had something at one time that yeah. said that he had a record of molestations. Oh, well, yeah, it's all on the internet. Yeah, I mean, like, I I found that on just, um, I think it's just called courtrecords.org. It's just, it's it's public information. And so Millhouse had closed it. court cases, so. What did he have? Uh, he, the first one I remember was um, from for sexual abuse, I think like third degree sexual abuse of a minor. Um, this was before Johnny. Yes. And the second one was, I think, I think it was just after Johnny, um, can't remember the date, but it was like, the second one was just for failing to register as a sex offender. And then the last one that the date on it says 1987, um, again, third-degree sexual abuse of a minor. So does Sam think that Johnny's dead and buried someplace? Yes. And I'll tell you what he said. He, um, he says, you know, this, again he said, you're not going to like my answer. And he said, um, as soon as Johnny's name started getting put all over the media and his picture and Noreen on TV all the time, he said, that's when Johnny was killed. When his when his face started to be blasted out there, he's like, "That's when that's when he died." That's that's what he believes. So. So you think um, Eugene was killed immediately? You think it was just a crime of passion and disposal? He didn't really know a lot about Eugene, but I mean, his I mean, the only things he would really say was that. Eugene just didn't fit the same mold that Johnny did, and he also, like I said, suggested that, you know, Eugene's home life was not the best, so right. it could have been a pedophile, but it could have also been a domestic situation. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I think he thought uh, very well could have just been a domestic situation. Yeah. He thinks they're completely unrelated. Mm -hmm. And he said... The other thing, that, and I've heard this from people, he said if you talk to pretty much any paper boy back in that day for the Des Moines Register, he said what you'll find is a good percentage of them will report that they had some suspicious activity with someone trying to pick them up. I, all I could think was, no shit. Like, we yeah. had one in here the other day. Right. So, right. you know, so what if there are <clears throat> 30 other, I mean, so was this far more common than you have just been blown away around? I, I just couldn't believe it. I was sort of like Sarah. Uh, driving over there, I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll just get shot and killed. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, yeah. it, I, whatever. I'm glad I knew where you were. You know? Yeah. Uh, 
Ron can explain how he got me involved <laughs> in this situation <laughs> to everyone. That's unbelievable. So the police, the Des Moines police, sent out hundreds of letters of parents warning them that their sons may have had contact with a suspected child sex abuser. Are you going to send that to me? former letter tells parents their sons' sons' names or telephone numbers were among 2,200 names and numbers seized in a February search of the Southside home of Wilbur Millhouse. Send that to me. Oh, my God. Wow. Um, yeah, well, yeah, that's 2,200 boys' names and addresses. Sergeant Jack LaCroix, one of the several detectives investigating oh, child sex abuse. And I know him, kind of. Acknowledged that the form letter is an unusual investigation technique. LaCroix said it was necessary, however, because of the large number of names involved. No charges have been filed against Millhouse. Millhouse's home was searched in February after two 15-year-old boys accused him of sexually abusing them, according to court reports. A sexually explicit phone call to a 14-year-old boy traced to Millhouse's telephone number. It was also cited as a basis for the search warrant, court records says. In an interview at his house uh, Wednesday night, Milhouse said he was not aware of the police letters meaning he was a suspect in the child abuse investigation. I guess police can do whatever they want. Um, Milhouse said the list of names taken from his home in February were materials he used in recruiting newspaper carriers when he was a circulation manager for the Des Moines Register. He said he quit his job as a circulation manager in 1983 after suffering a heart attack. So he's now unemployed. Wow. Millhouse did it. I believe it. I Mike Millhouse did it. Millhouse did it. Mike Millhouse. We gotta search that area. We wanna search that area so bad. Let me clip this thing. He did it. That's probably why he had a damn heart attack a year after. Yeah. That's a okay. lot of stress on a man. Uh, okay, oh six. He was pretty young at that time. Yeah. Um, pretty young to be having a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was born in 1943, so he was only 40. Yeah. Yeah, because I was 30 when this happened. He was 40. Pretty interesting how the Des Moines Register doesn't say former Des Moines circulation yeah. manager from that had connections with Johnny Gosh, you know. And how do we know, uh, how, was he, this district, was he the neighborhood anything for Johnny at that point? No, I think uh, he never worked directly with Johnny. They were always in different districts, okay. but, um, yeah. Wow. Clips just get better and better. Brian, you need to get this newspapers.com. I, I have a subscription, oh. too. It's pretty awesome. Oh, this yeah, is you can find anything in there. I could, this would, you'd love this just for going to, after looking for stuff for Benj and JT. Yeah, yeah. How, what is it? It's just called newspapers? Newspapers.com. You can get a free subscription or a paid one. Just depends yeah. on how much you want to do. Okay. And it's any newspaper? Yeah, pretty wow. much. Yeah, just yeah. about. other good nuggets we can pull up about 22, so that's... 2,200 boys. Has anyone taken all this information? This is where I think you come in, Ron. I'd love to help you with it. Someone needs to take all these newspaper articles and all this information and, like, come out with a factual, a freaking factual account. Like, a real journalistic, factual account of what has occurred. 
because right now it's just a bunch of web sleuths throwing out various, you know, wow, he was, so he was, when he was 43, he was, his bond was set at 72,000 bucks. For this? For the six charges that he faced. Okay. Six charges of sexual abuse filed Monday against a man who was, who was the subject of an unusual police letter writing campaign. According to a police affidavit filed in February, Millhouse has stated that he uses different names to call young boys. Conversations consist of soliciting for sex acts. Okay, you're sending me all this, right? Yeah. Uh, affidavit also said Millhouse told police his monthly telephone bill has been as high as three hundred and eighty-three dollars. <laughs> Is this all out of the Des Moines Register, or is this in a national paper? This has got to be local, right? Uh, the affidavit also said Millhouse told police his monthly telephone bill had been that high. His highest bills came in 1985 because of his use of a gab line that year, the affidavit says. The gab line was a party line telephone service popular with teenagers provided by Northwestern Bell for several That's months exactly. in 1985. What Yellow Bag told me yesterday. The service was discontinued following complaints that it was being used by teenagers and adults to solicit sex and drugs. Holy cow! Yeah, that's what Yellow Bag told me yesterday. So. And He's lucky to be alive, to be honest. So did he plead guilty to that? I'm pretty certain he did. We're going to get all of this. We're going to get the, the court records and everything from this. There were some bad guys involved with the register, though, and who knows how many there were. We know Sakura, we know Millhouse. So we need to find out, since Millhouse is dead, where Sequoia lives. Mm -hmm. Oh. Well, this is priority out here, but this says um, here, Noreen Gosh, for Millhouse, Noreen Gosh, mother of missing one paper boy, said Millhouse's arrest may shed some light on the 1982 disappearance of her son. What? Gosh had argued for some time that her son's abductor was an employee of the newspaper who had access to carrier's routes. Oh my god, I didn't realize Noreen knew who Millhouse or had heard of him. Wow. Yeah. So that's who so we have to go off of what she was reporting and what she was reporting is that she thought it was an employee of the newspaper. Yeah, if you look at the really, really like by which I mean in the first few days of news reports after the day at, after Johnny disappeared, that is what she seem what they all seem to think at first and right. that's what a lot of the other early reports after that i mean it starts the, i mean it starts morphing it starts to morph into something ridiculous about satanic cults and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. boy they could have done more to minimize this story yeah if you look at this on the front page of the register, they have all these stories, and then they just have a little blurb. Just a dot. It doesn't even have a headline. Just a dot. That Wilbur Milhouse, 44 of um, Maury Street, plead guilty to six counts of third-degree sexual abuse. Exactly. And did you send me that? I no, but or that's, did you want? Milhouse, that, a former Yellowback said that in here yeah. yesterday. They, I thought. I mean, I thought we had that. I don't. I don't remember seeing it. You're gonna send it to us, right? Yeah, so basically all these, they're trying to, 
Yeah, they wanted to, they didn't want to let it be known that he was an employee for the register for all that time. Or that, like, he had already been convicted of something in the 70s and they rehired him again anyway. How much of this was even known to the Goshes back right. at the time? Right, right. Okay. This, guy, this guy's a fucking nut job. In, in 19... Uh, when he was 26 years old, he formed a, in 1970, he formed a group called the Greater Des Moines Youth Movement. Who did? Wilbur Milhouse. And they had all these, like, uh, he just had... Um, 1970, he would have been about 28? He was 26. 26. He uh, was organizing groups of high school students. Huh. Never knew that. No. Never knew that. And the last thing you want to be. Bill House said he created the organization about a year ago. It has no officers and holds no regular meetings. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, this guy's just. This guy's just doing. This guy is just a pedophile from a young age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're in your roaring 20s, the last thing you want to be around is high school kids. Uh -huh. Yeah, 26. Yeah. Getting a bunch of, using some cause of the war to get a bunch of boys around you. How can I get access to high school boys? Yeah. Or younger. Or younger. Does it say what he was doing at age 26? No. I think he, well, he's buried in Leavenworth. He was a Vietnam veteran, Millhouse. Yeah, was he was he? probably. Drafted. I mean, we were all drafted yeah. at that point. My He's buried in Leavenworth. Well, he now. was back by then. Yeah. 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 Seventy. Yeah, he'd have been back. Unbelievable. I. I can't wait to read all these. This oh. guy's a dirty, dirty. See, he was out there on that. He was doing that Grand Avenue out of. It would have just been. He was in charge of that area that would have been just right out there. Mm -hmm. Back in 1980, 1981, south of Grand Avenue. Yeah. So that would, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of the, because this was about as far west as West Des Moines went, so then you're talking 35th Street that we're on right now, he would have been, you know, just the area that was two to three <coughs> miles over this way. So when all these people, all these kids had like events and parties, it would have been these people and in that side of Des Moines there. So he would have had tons of access to these well, kids. Well, just out think here. about his access during the fair, two blocks from his house. There are so many people on this case that have just never been contacted or never never been mentioned. Mentioned. The, and there's so <coughs> many people that had contact with Millhouse on a regular basis back then that might have amazing stuff to add about him. So that that interview with uh, Soda was remarkable, though. Uh, yeah, I was speechless when we left. I couldn't believe when he answered the door. I know. We were getting ready to leave. We were standing there for like three or four minutes, and the dogs inside were barking. And So for him to say that he was, or to tell people he was afraid he was going to lose his job? Yeah, I mean... Well, like, why would he get moved to... Why would he... It's almost like the Catholic... Uh, yeah, we keep saying that. It's like, yeah, well, that's exactly what we you're, keep you're saying. At this, 
And you're, it's like you're in this parish, and there have been reports by boys that you're doing inappropriate things. So now we're going to move you over to the east exactly. side. Exactly. That's exactly what we've been saying. And you're not going to move the guy that's one of 14 managers of the year. Yeah, and like, why would he to be a worst district? Why would he be afraid of losing his job if he was a manager of the year? If he already had a good sales record, like, what would what else would be the reason why he was so convinced he was about to lose his job? And how well did he and Sequoia know each other? Here's another name. I don't know. From September, that's creepy. This was added in September seventh, nineteen eighty-two. September seventh. 1982 for a route for 56 in Ingersoll called Wilbur Millhouse or Tim Moylan. Print that. Here's his sentencing. Again, here's his blurb. It's the smallest story on the fourth page of the paper. Moyne man given 30 years for six counts of sex abuse. Yeah. It, it doesn't mention anything about the they work for the register. What year was that? This was uh, 1987. Yeah, Wilbur that's... Millhouse, 44, Maury Street was sentenced Friday, 30 years in prison after pleading guilty to six counts of third-degree sexual abuse. Yeah, that 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 would be the last um, court record that I found online uh, saying that in <laughs> the it's in, ironic the day it was September 5th 1987 that um, he was convicted of the third degree sexual abuse and that would that would have been what that sentence was for and so then somehow with the 30 year sex abuse um, term he gets out what after 10 years or something something like that Is this what you guys were talking about? Um, wow. What? A Des Moines man arrested October 13th in connection with an obscene telephone call to a junior high school student has been ordered to commit to Broadlands Polk County Hospital for psychiatric evaluation and treatment. Wilbur Julius Milhouse, 31, of Maury Street, who was originally charged. This is in 1975. He was committed to broad lines. That's it. The 1975, yeah. He was civilly committed for psychiatric evaluation and treatment in 1975 for a phone call to a junior <coughs> high student. Holy crap. And then the register hires him back two years later. Brooks sentenced him to 30 days in the county jail, placed him on probation, and ordered him committed for psychiatric evaluation. That's it. That's the first, the first arrest. Did you already know that? that I knew he got arrested in 1975. I didn't know and the that details was in the like that register. though. And this is who they fuck. This is who they hire to be a circulation manager yeah. involved with little boys. All these paper boys were being. This is disgusting. I mean, what what were they? Who was in charge of background checks? Did they have them? Did they yeah. have them? What the hell were they thinking? Yeah. They but you, they don't need a background check because they're on the front page of their papers. I mean, yeah. Do they even read their own damn newspaper? 
If all they did was read that, you don't need court records. You've got them. You've printed it already. I mean, it's it's a mini Catholic church thing with kids and the tentacles it puts out. It's that's and the, the long-lasting, lifelong effects. The, yeah. And they never end the. And not owning up to it. And that's yeah. Not owning up to it, and then not ever taking corrective behavior. I mean, right. Not taking corrective action. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, at what point in this do you put a stop to this and as being the, the CEO and say, this is not going to happen to yeah. another paper boy on my watch? Mark, thanks for letting us use your yeah. office. Thanks for um, all your help. I thought talking to Sam Soda is a lot like talking to you. Yeah, I was thinking that too, because you guys said a lot of the same things too, like, you know, Frank Santiago and how nobody knew the word pedophile and wow. all that. Sarah, thanks for calling me that day while yeah, I was so We met Sam Soda yesterday. Did you really? And talked for almost three hours. Oh my god! And surprisingly, he was really nice. Oh, that's interesting. Cause that's not the he, impression I get at all. That's not what I ever thought either. Right. But he basically cleared his whole name and oh, nice. he. Did he talk about the Eugene Martin call? A little bit. Yeah. Well, well, not because I don't think he really. I don't think that call ever happened. Right. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, I think that was just kind of a concocted story. Uh-huh. Um, but he was saying that, like, you know, we, we got to his door, me and uh, Ron's lawyer, Mark, and um, it was a, we're knocking on the door, and and actually, we I was terrified going sure. there yesterday, and... Yeah, I'm glad you had somebody go with you. Yeah, <laughs> and actually, he brought another person from his office, too, mm-hmm. to, to wait for us in the car. Okay. And um, so we get up to the front door... And we knock and or ring the doorbell, and there's these two German shepherds in the living room that start uh-huh. barking. I'm like, okay, this is not starting out great. Right. And you um, didn't tell them you were coming, right? You no, just showed no, up. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so it's taken a few minutes, and nobody's answering the door, and we're starting to think, oh, maybe he's not here, oh, or yeah. maybe we should leave. Or, but as soon as we started to started to turn, we saw like the door move, and like, oh, okay. And he he answered the door. And we were like, hey, Sam, um, you know, and the story we used was we said we were writing a book. Uh-huh. We were like, um, sure. yeah, we were like, well, we're, we're writing a book on the Johnny Gosh case. Mm-hmm. Um, we're wondering if we could talk to you because you were um, such an early player in that. And right. he was like, and the, one of the first thing he said was, you're not going to like what I have to say. Oh. And we were like, we were like, oh, really? Tell us anyway. Yeah. yeah. And um, he says it was the Des Moines Register. And we're like. Really? Oh, wow. Really? That was because our theory. Yeah. Because uh, and then then we were like, well, that's actually kind of what we think too. Right. And then after that, we talked for like another minute and then then he invited us around to the back of the house and we sat on the back porch for uh-huh. about 2 hours. That's amazing. He had amazing recall. He was just ready to talk about like all of it. Uh-huh. And yeah, just that's Yeah. So cool. Didn't I have cannot to cry wait to hear these episodes. Yeah, yeah. Like they're going to be 
fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Didn't he didn't have to prod, uh-huh. and, or we didn't have to prod. I mean, and um, and also too, he kind of talked about all the bad information that's been spread about him over the yeah. years. And he said, yeah, he said, well, I googled myself, and I got I got really angry at the links I found at first, sure. and also also all the stuff that it says about me and Noreen's book. Mm-hmm. And um, then he said, but then he says, but you know what? I forgive her because oh. it's. Because it's her son. Right, you know? right. She's just trying to get the truth even yeah. if she's being misled. But yeah. yeah. Um, oh. And he had he had no bitterness towards anybody. He was just like, he's just an old man. Just right. kind of like can't really do much anymore because he can't really get around anymore. But I'm so glad you talked to him. Yeah. You, yeah. I, that, and the, the interaction mm-hmm. was the just the not what I expected at all. Right. Like, and I, I even said as to Mark as we were leaving, I was like, you know, I, it never once occurred to me that if I ever got to talk to Sam Soda, that it would basically he would he would be clearing his name out of right any any bad doings. And yeah, but the fact that he was willing to talk about it, yeah. that he remembered everything, yeah, yeah, it was talking. T- t- yeah, I mean, amazing. yeah, and you can tell that he's a guy who likes to talk. Because right, he was just going on, <laughs> and we didn't we barely even had to ask any questions. He was just offering up all right. this stuff. And it, you know, it does make sense because Noreen talks a lot about, well, I brought this to the police and I brought that to the police and none of it seemed like it was good evidence, but also I know the police are so shady that it's hard to... Yeah, and he was even saying that, you know, I, I started this organization scared and he started Uh talking about, he was like, you know, that's an acronym for stolen children are reported every day. And we're like, yeah, okay, (laughs) go on. Uh Um, And he's talking about like, yeah, I used to fill up auditoriums and churches having these talks and um and he said and and something else he clarified too was that i forgot what the name of the person was but like the district attorney or somebody called him into his office and asked him why he was showing child pornography images at these meetings yeah and he said to him like do you know that's illegal to do that Mm -hmm. and he says yeah, I know it's illegal, but he was trying to shock people and right. But he at, thought it was important. Yeah. yeah. But as for how he got those images, uh-huh. it was actually just as easy as he just bought them at the bookstore. The bookstore was, was like that yeah. other st- story. The too, story that Ron the had. Yeah. yeah. And and that's wow. exactly what Ron because I met with Ron last night too. Uh-huh. Um, Ron <clears throat> Ron right away was like, I bet that's the same bookstore that John yeah. and I went to. Oh, that's so creepy. Yeah. Interesting. So why does he think it was the register? Because um, because of that guy, first of all, Frank Sakura that uh-huh. he, that he took down. Right. Um, and he talked about Frank Sakura about showing up at his house in the middle of the night and wanting to ask him some questions. And he also talked about how he always brought somebody with him. She was a reporter from KCCI. Interesting. Um, and also, he was he was basically talking about how. There was so many, like, just so many people hired at the register, and the register did no, no kinds of background checks right. on anybody. Well, that's and, what it seems like. Yeah, then, yeah. You know, yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. I, I agree. It was probably the register. Yeah. Although I don't know if there was, like, a top-down cover-up for it, or if they were just sort of limiting yeah. liability, or... 
Yeah, I don't know, but we talked more. Like Sam didn't know anything about Wilbur Millhouse; he had never heard that name before. Uh huh. Um, but afterwards, when it was Mark and Ron and I, we were talking about Millhouse, and Mark was looking up um, old newspaper articles, just doing a search for Wilbur Millhouse's name, uh-huh. and found all kinds of creepy stuff. Like he was arrested in 1975 for oh, wow. like sex abuse, and that was the first arrest, and he was sent to. Um, like like an asylum, a sane asylum at the time for it. Like he, like he was sent into treatment for it at the time. And then in 1977 is when the register hired him back. Mm-hmm. And um, and like Mark was getting pissed off. He was like he was like this is disgusting. All this stuff this guy is doing, and the register goes ahead and hires him back. Like right. did they not do background checks? And and then Ron says it's like well they don't even have to do background checks because you're reading articles from, from the, the register, register. Right. So, like, so it's like if they just read if they just read, read their, their own paper oh, like no kidding yeah. and that seems sloppy yeah or maybe there was somebody in the hiring who yeah knew these guys mm-hmm. or wasn't yeah no i and you'd think that more people would have looked at that since eugene martin was a paper boy too yeah you know? but, yeah. yeah and sam had a had a interesting idea about Eugene because like because Eugene and Johnny were like polar opposites like you know um Johnny was kind of an upper middle class kid and he was like you know blonde hair blue eyed Mm -hmm. and which Sam mentioned is the kind of thing that like pedophiles were looking for and Eugene Martin was like the exact opposite of that he didn't look like that and also he came from like a very blue collar sort of family and plus his parents were divorced and they were always at odds with each other so i think sam was kind of suggesting that maybe it wasn't even a pedophile who took eugene maybe it could have just as easily been a domestic situation oh okay yeah, yeah. Well, that's i would definitely uh, i feel bad that eugene martin hasn't gotten as much you know name yeah. recognition and, and maybe because his parents didn't have the money to hire all the yeah and i think that's yeah. the whole reason Mark Allen is the third one, right? Yeah. He was later. Yeah, Mark was, I think it was like two years after Eugene. Yeah. It's just such an odd thing. And for there never to have been any solution to any of them. Yeah, because one thing Sam said was um, that he doesn't think it was a targeted thing, specifically on Johnny, that it was like, they weren't targeting one specific kid. They were targeting any kid right. that was Anybody out there. Yeah, strapped. And yeah. especially if it was like a newspaper carrier who always had an exact route on a certain right. day and, and was alone for majority of the time. Yeah, that's definitely something you could scope out in advance. And yeah. especially if you knew about the routes because you worked for the register. Yeah, yeah. Easy. Awesome. Well, and I'm so glad you had some good people to help you, too. Oh, yeah. Me, too. Because if you, you know, were running around Des Moines by yourself, first of all, I'd be worried about your safety a little bit. Because <laughs> these are shady people. Mm-hmm. Although, that's surprising about Sam Soda. Yeah, yeah, it's not what I expected. and But I was very, very heartened when yeah. I left. But at, at the same time, it was kind of a, it was kind of a bummer in a way because the idea that it could just, you know, be any, any random guy could right. scope out any kid. Um, it makes this case all that much more impossible to solve. Just right. the idea that it wasn't targeted and maybe it wasn't somebody who was on anybody's radar is just, it could have been any person at any time who had just a, a bad impulse. Right. Yeah, that's, and 
still no body and no confession, but you never yeah. know. I yeah. Mean, once you start digging around, but people come like, out of the woodwork. Yeah, the other thing is that, because um, Yellow Bag and I did tour around um, Millhouse's old house the other day, mm-hmm. and um, we were doing, like I said, some newspaper research on Millhouse after, and it just, he's, he had to have been guilty of something. Right. Um, so... <laughs> Because he was convicted a couple of yes, times. Yeah, so, and he went yeah. to jail for it the last time. And that and the bottoms, especially where his house was, mm-hmm. is that'd be a like easy yeah, place to bury. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing too that people were bringing up to me is that you know at that time, just past where Johnny lived, like up to like 50th Street, mm-hmm. nothing was developed yet. It was right. all open land. Like those houses weren't built, and all that like civilization wasn't built yet Mm -hmm. and they were sort of implying that you don't need to drive all the way to the bottoms to to get rid of a body like although you think that would have been turned up during some of that development yeah so it's like so it's like it's if that's the case then that could mean that like he's under somebody's house somewhere or something yeah it's really just too bad that they they weren't on the investigation at the time i know that's when you need to be on it is those early days I know. I, I think that, like, they just, you know, 1982, there's limited yeah. technology, and it's not... Well, and people like, are still buying junk yeah. porn at the bookstore. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's and, crazy to think about how different a time that was, because it doesn't seem like that long ago. Yeah. And also, too, there are obviously no web sleuths back right. then that can just kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah, and, it was really kind of localized, although yeah. Noreen did take it national, but... Yeah. But it's weird to think that there's somebody who might have had information that the police didn't talk to, or... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really too bad they didn't get Millhouse at the time. Yeah. Before he moved. I know, <laughs> and that, it's weird, too, because you would think he would have at least been questioned. Right. Uh, because he was, like, a convicted, like... A sex offender. Yeah, and that's what, you know, when something like this happens, you're supposed to round up the usual suspects, yeah, right? You're yeah. supposed to go for the people on the registry and see where they were and mm-hmm. what, yeah. Yeah, they really looked terrible in that documentary, the West Point Police. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, that's, they were terrible. Yeah. And I, again, feel bad for Noreen that, you know, they belittled her and whether or not all of the things she said happened it seems like yeah i think they they really um they really worked her over too right. they really manipulated her i think mm-hmm. especially with reading this book the the intro that he writes mm-hmm. uh oh is that ted Gunderson? no no, that's no john Zalin- john yeah. Zelinsky writes yeah. this and actually i've almost forgot i want to take a picture of the sure. page that i dog-eared oh um, yeah and also i'm happy to copy and send you a scan and this is the supposed lookalike. Oh, right, right, but right. But a friend of mine who was very up on this told me who that really is. That's one of the private investigator's assistants. Oh. So that's who that really is. Just, Good oops. Yeah. Good oh, thank you. Okay, awesome. Sweet. Okay guys, I just walked into the airport in Des Moines, so I'm going to put this away, and I'll see you on the other side. Hey everybody, I'm back at my apartment in Bristol, Connecticut. It's 
9.24 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, I did hit some traffic on the way back from the airport, but it's all good now. I'm in my living room. Um, so just to kind of wrap up these past few episodes from Des Moines, um, I am so grateful to Ron Sampson and to Mark Hinshaw and to Yellow Bag for meeting with me. Also, Don Patochny, who I met going through microfilm at the library. Um, I'm just glad that we got to do this. It's been awesome. And I think we have shed some new light on Johnny's case. And um, my opinions on certain people have changed, for sure. And that is something I will discuss in the series. Well, I almost said series finale, but it's not a series finale. It's a season finale, because we are going to do another season of Faded Out and take on a brand new case. Um, the season finale, we're going to live video stream it on Facebook. Um, so that will be on the Faded Out Facebook page, um, the, the official Facebook page, not the closed group. So you'll be able to find that on the Faded Out page. Um, and that'll be on Saturday, September 29th. And the times will be 12 noon Eastern Standard Time, 11 a.m. Central Time, 10 a.m. Mountain Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time. So definitely tune in for that. And even if you don't watch it on Facebook, that's no big deal because it is still just going to be another normal episode, too, that I'll release the next day on Sunday, September 30th. Um but like I said, I'm incredibly grateful that I took this trip and the the whole thing was worthwhile. And I hope that people can understand my sincerity in becoming involved in this case, that it's not for any um, superficial reasons. Um, you know, I flew out there on my own dime and I collected over 12 hours of audio. Um, and I feel really, really positive about where this is going to go, uh, just based on that last meeting with Mark and Ron. And even next, early 2019, when we start a new season of Faded Out, uh, we are going to revisit this first season, too. Um, it's going to... Uh, Maybe be by next spring, we're going to check back in with everyone, see what's going on. Um, if we've made any developments on Wilbur Millhouse or just any of the other things that we've been talking about. Um, and so hopefully much progress will be made between now and the spring. Um, but I guess um, I'll just end it this episode by saying um, you can always reach out to me by email at fadedoutpodcast at gmail.com. Faded Out is on Facebook at facebook.com slash fadedoutpodcast. And there is a closed group that you can request to join called Followers of Faded Out. Um, 
You can also tweet me at Sarah E. Demio, S-A-R-A-H-E-D-I-M-E-O. Um, we'll be back next week for the season finale at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. So thank you for joining me for however many episodes this ends up being. I've got a lot of audio to edit through. So, so thank you for joining me for this for these live on the ground episodes. I'm Sarah Dimio. See you next time. <laughs>